Well, good morning out there. It's October the 12th, 2023, and what a day the Lord has made. What a glorious day it is to be alive within the kingdom of God. This is a day, this is the season that God had orchestrated for you to be alive. This is no mistake that you're alive for such a day as this. And I just say to you, be at peace, be at rest, face, I mean, chase his presence, chase his name, and put Jesus at the center of everything. He is more than enough. He's always been more than enough, and he'll always be more than enough. Amen. Well, Brother Greg, how are you doing on this beautiful Thursday morning? I'm doing just fine, Brother Aaron. Well, thank you. Just fine, Brother Ron. Remember that? <laughs> yep. Uh, that was old Roger. That was his staple saying. I tell you, I'm glad to be back. It seems like forever since I've been here. It, you know, it, I missed a week. And, uh, yeah, I was excited to, to get here this morning. You miss it, don't you? Yeah. When you're yeah, gone. Yeah. And all this discussion I got to listen to this week, I'm like, man, what's <laughs> in there? <laughs> well, I saved the one for you for later. I don't know. The the uh, red and the significance, I saved that for you. No. That, um, so we'll, we'll have to answer that during the Bible time. Yeah, well, uh, miss... One of our listeners, Miss Miss Hill, asked about that one. So um, I said yesterday we'll cover that when you're on here, since that was your your statement. So I'll let you do it. Oh no! Uh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot to that. Um. Oh, well, Miss Hannah, how are you doing? Doing good this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, we have a lot of exciting things going on. Uh, chili cookoffs, one of the big ones coming up here. October 28th is just right around the corner. And then we have, as well, um, we've got the Memorial Infant um, Walk, um, Infant Lost Memorial Walk uh, this Sunday night, 5.30 at Litchfield City Park. That's going on. Miss Nicole Taylor will have more information if you want to contact her for that. Uh, Bishop Lance Johnson is at Madrid Pentecostal this Sunday night starting at 7 o'clock. Um, and then he'll also be at Potter's Hope on the 25th, 26th, and 27th for three days of a crusade for souls in Litchfield, Kentucky, right there, right off the parkway. So if you've never been to Potter's Hope, just a tremendous ministry. Pastor Wayne is a tremendous pastor. Love and honor him tremendously. And I'm um, just excited for what those three days hold for the body of Christ. Hannah, am I missing anything? Um, we have another event going on October 15th at that Calvert Community Church. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having a revival um, October 15th at 6.30 that Sunday. And then it's, um, they just said everybody's welcome. So Amen. Those are on our app, and I'll get the other ones added too, the um, the Lance Crusade and different things. And then, um, you know, don't forget, throughout the broadcast today, if you want to engage or interact, you can text me at 270-230-6337. Again, 270-230-6337 is the way to contact me during the broadcast to inter- interact ask questions um have engagement of any kind um we would we love it when the the family engages together and it always really um actually adds a lot to the broadcast and iron sharpens iron and i love everybody's input and everybody's view and um, we just love to answer bible questions as well we don't always have all the answers. Sometimes we're stumped. Sometimes we get an answer thrown in there that we really don't know ourselves, and we have to say I, we're going to come back. And um, sometimes it takes a minute to come back, and then sometimes we're able to come back immediately. Um, I'm still working on the whole marriage, remarriage, divorce questions. 
Um, I feel like I'm probably going to need more time than what I have. It's a really difficult topic, and it's one of those topics that no matter what's said, it's going to upset probably somebody, or it's going to. It's like one of those. It's a it's a lose lose topic almost. Well, but I uh, I don't know. It's been abused. That's what I'll say. The that topic on marriage. You know, it's been uh, it's it's been through at a lot of people in in the wrong way. I think. Yeah, and. But I do want to be careful just because I'm some people's doning. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. That's that's not, where the hard part comes yeah. in at. It's kind of like grace. People's abused the word grace, mm-hmm. but we can't negate it. And so yeah. what my hunger for is just what does Scripture say? Like, you know, it's yeah. – and at the end of the day, if we stick to Scripture and what Scripture's commissioning us, we do it in love, then that's all we can do. And, you know, we, we had a topic yesterday, and, uh, you know – it's this is another topic where legalism creeps in, you know, and uh, and you know that's another one of those topics where you know well, I mean none of us can fulfill every word to this T to the T. I mean we just you know that's why we have to have Jesus. You know that's why we grow in a grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ because if we can walk in it with within ourselves just by reading and doing what it says then you know you see well why would we need jesus yeah if if we could read this word and do exactly what it says the way it says to do it if we could do that within our own power why why would he had to die yeah well so, i still will stick to my i believe that there's sometimes legalism legalism and holiness can be confused yes um, yes. Because it's about the motivation of the heart. That's it. Right. Um, and now I do want to be careful to not let. And I preached on this pretty hard last night, so I want to make sure I'm right. I don't want my heart to be an excuse for my hand not to be right, though. Um, well, that would not be a. That would be a heart in the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, but I. I do now. I don't really want to rehash the conversation from yesterday because I think we finished it in a good spot of you know like. Yeah. It, this is one of those things we have to follow the Holy Spirit in our own lives, and I'm not here to give condemnation to people. I'm not here to yeah. to tear down people. Um, I think we're all walking in different seasons in different places. Doesn't make anybody better. Anybody like um, we need to know what the Word says, yeah, and then we need to apply it where it, where it applies to us. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. what you're saying, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and mm-hmm. and I mean, for me, it's not a question of condemnation. It's not a question of it was like I was trying to say yesterday, even on the part like there's certain stores I don't go into mm-hmm. because of conviction. Now, if I d- did go into them, even though I have that conviction, do I think I'm like going to go to hell for it? No. Like I just I want to guard the presence of God. I want to guard the anointing of God, and I want to guard everything that the Lord has for me, and not to give place to the devil. And so, um, and not everybody is really like. Um, there's sanctification processes that's different for every single person. There's no cookie cutter thing. And so I know the, like the more I, the closer I feel like I get to the Lord, the more layers he begins to peel. And honestly, a lot of these layers didn't get peeled off until I started to more experience more of a revival in my own personal life. And now he's starting to pull back things. And when you ask for truth, he starts to pull back more and more things. And it is uncomfortable. It is not always pleasant um, and we do have to remember that um, 
we are not other people's Holy Spirit. And so we can preach truth, we can teach truth, but I can't force anybody to do it. It's like the old saying, you can take the horse to the water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. And if they don't drink, you can't beat them because they still won't drink. And so you you just have to, um, you have we have to just say what Scripture says. Yeah. And we just leave it from there. And yeah. the thing that I'm really concerned about with these topics of, you know, some of these personal conviction type things, like what we do with holidays or where we shop yeah. or what we do, like I feel convictions in my own heart on there. But on both sides, we've got to make sure it's not becoming a divisionary, divisionary point yeah. um, because the enemy will use that to separate the body of Christ. And we don't need any more separations, especially on a non-salvation, non-gospel issue. Yeah. And work out your own salvation. Yeah. One day at a time with fear and trembling. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, as far as the holiday goes, <clears throat> the Lord spoke to me about that. And, uh, and whenever he did, I... I responded to what he told me, mm-hmm. and it was hard because that's something I'd always done, you know, and that's something that I'd done with my kids, and we and we uh, we enjoy doing that with our kids, you know. But when the Lord spoke to me, sure. and he t- he said, and he asked me the question, and and there was only one answer to that question I could give him, so I had to I had to stop, you know. Yeah, that was that's me, you know. He spoke to me, I did what he told me to do, and that's what we have to do. And the thing about it is, you know, I just I just shared this this morning on my little group text I'm in with our Bible study. But, you know, it says, my sheep hear my voice. All right. We all say that we we know the Lord. All right. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is the word made flesh. So how well do we know him? You know, how much time do we spend? In the Word, how much time do you spend with Jesus, the Word? You know, so uh, we do we know Him a little? Do we know Him some? Or, or are we? I don't know that we would ever know Him fully. We just, we just, our brains ain't big enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, uh, it says, "My sheep hear my voice." So if He's already spoken everything, so if everything's already spoken. We need to we need to be in His Word to read it. So we hear what He's put in us, what we've what we've read. He can pull out of us. You, you see what I'm saying? So what we've read, what we've heard, what uh, what we've studied, different things. You know the things that we've put in of Him. That speaks to us. It says, "My sheep hear my voice." It's not like He's outside yelling at us. It's because we hear His voice because we know His Word. And his voice, his speaking, his speech, and what he says. So now that we know what he says, when things come at us and they don't line up exactly with what it says, my sheep hear my voice because we know what his voice sounds. We know his word mm-hmm. and not the word of somebody else. The word of yeah. yeah, that's good. Working from Scripture out is always the most profitable way for sure. Well, because Jesus is the way. Mm-hmm. And he's the word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I do believe the Lord still speaks, but I believe that a lot of times we're waiting for him to speak and he's waiting for us to read. Oh, yeah. And, and when he speaks, let me yeah. ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Does he speak anything other than what he's already oh, said? Oh, he never will. Um, and and I think that's where it's important to note that Jesus was full of truth and spirit. 
spirit and truth. That's and so he was full of both. He yeah. he was a man full of spirit and truth. And it was, I think that's a profound statement because Jesus wrote the word. I mean, he, he, he gave the word. Yeah. Um, but he was also full of the spirit as man on the earth. And so, um, it, it you know, I think it's very important. We've talked about that dichotomy quite a bit that, if you try to walk in the word absent of the spirit, it don't work. And then if you try to walk in the spirit absent of the word, it don't work. You, you know, have I've, both. I've grown a little bit here in the last, uh, over our conversation about, it's been a couple of weeks ago, but when we talked about uh, Jesus being fully man and fully God, you know, I think we, we discussed this, but it, it's went even further. I mean, he's revealed even further in there that, that, and I was, I was reading in Hebrews, I think it was, whenever he talked about Jesus praying, unto blood uh, or or no he was uh let's see fighting against sin unto blood mm-hmm. so whenever he was praying in the garden yeah. until he bled that was him denying sin so much that his body bled mm-hmm. you know and i'm thinking do i do that do i fight it that much mm-hmm. and uh and it just really put it in perspective yep you know i think uh, and I, i've said this a lot and i hope it's make sense to people but the close i'm just gonna i'm just gonna talk about myself because that's the only one i can speak of the closer that i get to the lord the farther away that i see that i am mm-hmm. and it's it's like you know i uh it, it's been a few weeks ago a few weeks ago i, I think y'all remember me talking about how i was just i was so close to him but i just want to get closer i want him to be like you know just like like your buddy is right next to you while you're driving down the road where you can just reach over, you know, slap him on the back, high-five him, you know what I'm saying, just mm-hmm. just even closer, you know. And uh, since that point, you know, he has started to reveal things in me that's been in the way. Mm-hmm. And you remember I told you I was struggling, uh, mm-hmm. or I was in a battle, mm-hmm. you know, last, uh, the week before last, and or whenever it was, and that's what it was. He's revealing things that's in me. Well, the only way he can reveal things in me is we got to go through some things. <laughs> you know, we have to deal with some issues. We have to deal with some temptations and some trials and tribulation in order to reveal the weakness that's in us. So without knowing his word here, you know, because in that time, I could not focus. I couldn't focus to study. I couldn't focus to to even pray. You know, I mean, because all this stuff that was coming at me, my mind was everywhere. And I could not slow it down to open my Bible to read. I could open it. I could look at the pages, but I couldn't focus on anything. You know, so I believe that in this trial that the Lord is showing me is that I need to have him in me already that way he's already there when this stuff happens i don't have to go looking for him you know uh, uh, whenever i need him i need him all the time you know i want him right here i remember what I, my prayer was i want you right here i, I want to be closer than i was well he revealed these things in me that he's drawing out and i wasn't you know it's like uh we talked about taking a test a teacher taking a test, or uh, when you take a test, a teacher doesn't talk. You can't ask questions until the test is over and the pencil's down, right? Well, that was me during this trial and, and this time, this little season I was going through, this training session that he was putting me through. 
I was trying to read the word and study and focus because I wanted to get closer to the Lord, which which reading and study and focus that 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 does that. But this trial right here showed me what was in between. It's some things that that I thought were gone, that that you know I guess the roots are even deeper, but only He can reveal, and and all these different things. And uh, I mean, uh, some of that old man in me that the 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 anger and the and the rage that I used to have, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff even started. I was like, whoa, you know, I I just I was like, where is it? I thought this was, you know, I didn't know that this was a thing anymore. Why am I? Where's this, you know, and I mean, I just, it was just all these things that, I mean, it was just like a tornado of things. <laughs> That's my best experience or best mm-hmm. explanation is, but through it all, you know, I was down and I was, I mean, I felt awful and I felt uh, like I let him down and I felt all these things. But <laughs> one thing I learned is I never was holding him up to begin with, mm-hmm. so I couldn't let him down. <laughs> Because I wasn't holding him up, but all this right here was to get me to the point to know what I'm talking about this morning is we have to have the word in us because there may come a time where we can't focus on studying. So it needs to already be in there so that in these troubles and trials we can hear His voice in the storm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yep. yep. And um, a lot of times when He allows a storm or allows a season of um, growth and maturity to happen, and um, it hurts. It does hurt, but <laughs> it hurts a lot right. of times, the closer you get, the the less it becomes necessarily just about what you're doing with your hands. It starts to be in your mind, your heart, internal things. Words that um, and repentance in its truest sense is shifting mindsets, and mind shift mindsets are only shifted when the heart is changed. So be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That yep. was James Miller preached that last night. Yep. <laughs> and it's well, I mean, it's it's the hardest thing to change. Yep. And whenever well, only he can change it. Like a lot of Christians, yeah. kind of get like, okay, I stopped watching that. I stopped saying these words. I'm good to go. But we've never dealt with the unforgiveness in our heart. We never yep. dealt with that. What you were saying, the anger, the rage. We never dealt with the things in our hearts. And um, and so, and last night I was talking about, you know, I think it's a very in. It's a very. I think we're doing an injustice to our t- our teenage boys and those when we say, you know, like, well, it's the second look at a girl that's bad. The first look's okay. Well, no, we have to get to the point to where the first look's not good either because yeah. that means there's some kind of lust in your heart yeah. to where you're seeing the opposite sex other than what God has intended for you to see them as. And it's not glorifying to him. And so, like, we've got to deal with the heart. And when the heart gets dealt with, then really that's when real – maturity and growth gets uncomfortable but it becomes the most profitable and um you know like anything you know there's got to be a a tilling of the ground for the seed to be planted to Mm -hmm. accept the seed you you know it's got to be tilled yeah well that hurts yeah it does it hurts whenever the whenever it gets tilled up and uh and you know it yeah (laughs) yeah well, we're um, we're going to move into Hebrews for ten or fifteen minutes, and we're going to try to cover at least one or two verses. We didn't get very far last time. Uh, I think we worked through the first four verses. Oh, from so we haven't got anywhere Tuesday. since I left. Huh? Not really, um, <laughs> because we was on three. Well, yesterday we did um, Israel and talked about all that's going on in Israel, and um, of course, there's always more unraveling. Oh, what what chapter are we in? In Hebrew, yeah, two. 
two. Oh well, we made it. Yeah, yeah we, we was in we was in chapter one the last time I was. See, there. look how far we've I'm come. All right, so here we go. I'm going to read from the New King James this morning. Um, so we just got out of where he was talking about his word, talking about holding fast to it, talking about the angels proved steadfast. Um, then he was also talking about God bearing witness both of signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. And now we're following up and going contextually to number five. For he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. So if we start right here, again, this is talking about Christ's supremacy over all things. And he's talking about Christ's supremacy over um, angels. And so he's saying, you know, he didn't put the world to come in subjection or under the governorship of angels. Um, and I think that's significant because angels really, honestly, messengers, they never have a time where they rule. Like they were, you don't, you don't really, is there a hierarchy of angels? Yes. We see that with some terminology such as archangel or make Michael, Gabriel and Lucifer at one time seem to be higher ranking angels. Um, and then of course, Lucifer failed, but you have Michael and Gabriel who seems to be a higher ranking, but does that mean they're ruling? We never actually see their ruling per se. The Lord is still the one giving instruction guidance. And so I think here the writer of Hebrews is stressing that angels are not here to rule. Angels were not here to be worshipped. Angels were not here to be exalted. Angels would rebuke you if they exalted you, uh, if they if you try to exalt them. Like they didn't want the worship, and they would tell you if you fell down and worshipped an angel, they would say, "Get up! Don't 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 don't, 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 don't worship me." Where's that at? And um, oh my goodness, if you didn't ask me, I could tell you right now. Sorry, um, we'll figure that out. Um, but I do know it happened. Yeah, I, uh, think, too, I think I it was, was it with Peter. It could be. Yeah. Um, maybe in. Acts and Peter. Whenever Peter he was wanting to build the altar or something after he Maybe. saw Moses. He, Let me build well, that Peter. would be in Matthew then yeah. with the Mount I, Transfiguration. I have to look that I up. I don't know where it was. Yeah. I feel like it's Peter, though. Um, feels like something Peter would do. Probably, um, yeah, probably. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, but, but they were very staunch on it. And then, you know, even when the angel rebuked somebody, he never said, like, was it Gabriel or Michael, you know, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. He didn't, the angel didn't go up to him and say, I rebuke you. Like the Lord rebuke you, and um, and so I think there's a lot of strategic um, wisdom that's being placed within that that phrase or that verse right there. For He has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Again, stressing the supremacy that Christ has been given the world to come, and it's going to be under His subjection until the kingdoms of this world becomes the kingdoms of our Christ, and so and that will happen. But it says there in verse 6, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? And so here he is then pointing to this, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? I believe right here he starts out with humanity, but then he goes to Jesus. I believe when he says, What is man that you are mindful of him? I think he's talking about, just mankind in general. Um, I think it's an incredible statement to say that the God who created the universe is very mindful of man. Um, but then he says, or the son of man that you take care of him. Here I think he's transitioned into Jesus and talking about Jesus. And it's that, oh, you take care of Jesus. You take care of that. You took care of all of that. 
for you have made him a little, little longer, lower than the angels. Now, there is some scholars now that we're going to start unraveling this that they're saying everything that he's getting ready to say, he's talking about humanity. I do not think he's talking about humanity. All right. And here's why. Because you have placed, if you work it down, you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hand. And you have put him all things in subjection under his feet. I believe there he's talking in singular senses of Jesus being clothed with glory and honor. Jesus being sent over all the works of his hand. And him and Jesus is everything's put under his feet. Um, and so I think all of those statements are corresponding with Jesus. And I think it's actually discussing that for the season, Jesus was made lower than the angels as a man. Well, can I read verse 8 sure. in the King James here? Uh-huh. Is that what you was reading, right? I was using the New King James. Yeah, it was close. Was in, yeah. In, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Mm-hmm. For in that he put all in subjection under him. Mm-hmm. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see <coughs> not yet all things put mm-hmm. under him. So it, it, it's saying we didn't see all things. Yeah. But, uh, you know what I'm saying? It says, thou hast put all things under his judgment, but we did not see it. It says, but now we see not yet all things. So is that, to me, that's significant because we don't, he has, you know, they're all there, but we, we don't see them yet. They're not revealed to us yet. Is that what he's saying there? I mean, uh, that's the way I read that. That's well, the way I'm, I'm interpreting that. Yeah. And, and then it says, uh, verse 9. Look, is that okay? If I, sure. Okay. Uh, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by grace of God, should taste death for every man. So this is, so this is, this is the way I, I'm understanding this. And... I don't know if I'm right or not. That's just, but we see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death. So the angels can't die that I know of. So he had to be made lower. So he had to be made a human because we, we suffer death. It's mm-hmm. appointed unto man once to die one time. We're appointed mm-hmm. one time to die. All right. So he's made a little lower, a little lower than the angels. And I believe that, that that little Lord, but it says, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. So he he had to he had to be placed lower uh, to taste the death for me and you. So yes. I, I so in a sense, I don't know what your deal was with the scholars and and what they were saying, but. For me, the way I understand it is he had to be brought down into human form to experience death for our sins, mm-hmm. to be the sacrifice, to be that sacrifice. There's no, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And if you're not in a human body, what are you going to bleed? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's the way I look. That's the way I interpret that. Well, six through eight is actually Psalms. It's a it's a quotation from Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's let's see, I can figure that quotation out. Eight four through six Psalms eight four through six, um, and then I think once it gets down to we call it we would call it eight B, 
we would call 8A the putting everything in subjection under his feet. 8B then would be now in putting everything in subjection to him. He left nothing outside of his control. This is the ESV. And if I move back to there, it's basically once he gets into 8B, he's starting to under unravel and show how Christ has fulfilled Psalm 4, I mean 8, 4 through 6. Yeah. And this is what he's doing. He's saying for in that he put all in subjection under him. That's Jesus. He left nothing that is out, um, not put under him. Everything has been put under Jesus' feet. Yeah. And here he's saying, but now... Even the wind obeyed him. Yeah. Well, he said, yeah, and then he so. says, but now we do not yet see all things put under him. And I think yeah. this is where the concept concept of like what we see is not necessarily always the truth. Because we can be deceived by what we see. And we can be seduced by what we see. And, and um, Peter covers this at one point when he's saying, you know... There's been generations that talk about, well, you all talk about the coming of the Lord. It hasn't happened yet. So is this even true? Yeah. And then Peter says, don't give up on the promise. That's paraphrasing a little bit. But yeah. no, yeah, yeah. you know, don't, no, no, like a thousand years is a day, and de- a day, a thousand years. He's saying, God don't really work in the time that we consider time. And so he's saying, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart because what you see is not necessarily what the truth is. And the facts that are around us have to line up with the truth. So um, there's times in our life that we're facing things. And it feels like everything around us is contrary to what God says. And then all of a sudden, God works everything in there and everything submits itself. And I think the writer of Hebrews here is saying and telling us that all things are truly under Jesus' feet already. It's just we may not see it. And that's what I was saying. That's exactly what I was saying. I mean, we just don't see it. It it says, but now we see not yet all things. So it was there. It never wasn't there because when we think about it, you know, uh, I'm, I'm to them on, you know, when they rebuke the wind, and he says, who is this, um, what manner of man is this that the wind even obey him? So yeah. the, the, the heavens and the earth obeyed him. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the evil spirits, you know, obeyed him. Every, everybody but the men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody but the people he's yep. coming to save. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the writer of Hebrews here, though, is, starting to try to unravel it for them some revelation because he says then but we see jesus jesus we see jesus who was made a little lower yes than the angels yeah um and then so we haven't really seen him at the right hand the way he's talking about up here i'm assuming that this would be i actually think there's only probably three people that seen him in his true glory yeah and peter peter and john at the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. Was James with them that time? I, I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, I was there oh, my gosh. Day. I can't remember. Just, I think it was just Peter and John. But James could have been there. It was yeah. the inner circle. If, if the inner circle was there, James yeah. would have been there too. Yeah. But I think whoever was on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw him in his glory. And it was. And I think they were able to have like a sneak peek into who he was. Yeah. Um, but also, I do believe that Stephen and Paul probably have an insight to where he is too. Because... He revealed himself to Paul on the road to Damascus, and I, I, my thing is, I think Paul of everybody had the most revelation out ever. And and again, now uh, this is just Greg Carwell's. I believe Paul wrote this book that we're reading here. That's because of all of the revelation that is pull, pulled out of here. I don't know of any other that that would that have the uh, just a detailed description. Other than him, mm-hmm. you know, because of, you know, his his studies with the word before and then 
So he, he knew it all. And then when Jesus revealed himself, it all become alive in him. Yeah. And I believe we see this, but, but either which way, uh, yeah, the, to the revelation, but then we also have John. John, that's what I was getting yeah, to. The John, because um, he was, he wrote yeah. the revelation. The yeah. Re- yeah. The but, revelation of and Jesus Christ. You know, Stephen, as he was being stoned, was able to kind of see into heaven. So I think he glimpsed something yeah. of Jesus and his glory, kind of like Jesus welcomed him, kind of deal. Yeah. John did see him in all his glory through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He um, saw him in the middle of the kingdom. Yeah. And so, um, but really, I mean, like, a lot of we don't have a lot of reference to it in the New Testament, and the writer of Hebrews here. Is, but we we can see that ourselves, you know, in our own selves. If we if we are diligent, it's a reward of those the diligent things. So I don't want to, you know, when we ha- have these conversations, I, I just think of an outsider listening. It's like, hey, man, maybe I wish I could do that. Well, we can. We can have that. I mean, and it's all right here. It's just what we have to do is is give ourselves to him, mm-hmm. you know, and he will reveal himself to you. Yeah. Um, and Pastor Dwayne said that James was there. I was thinking he was. I thought it was the whole um, inner circle there that was there once I started talking about the Mount Transfiguration. Um, but he says, but we see Jesus, this Jesus and now he's starting to show how Jesus was the manifestation of Psalm 8, 4 through 6. And he's saying, you know, he was made lower than the angels, which that means he became man. Like yeah. he became man. He mm-hmm. um, And he was Emmanuel, God in the flesh. So he had flesh. He had, he had a manliness about him. He had yeah. a humanity about him. He was made lower than the angels because humanity is made lower than the angels. Yeah, um, and um, then he said, and then this is where the writer of Hebrews would have thrown a lot of people for a loop, though. For the suffering of death crowned him with the glory and honor. He was saying through the suffering of death, not through the triumph, not through anything like that. It was actually through his death the, and the suffering of the death the that he was crowned. That he paid yes. for the remission of um, sins. That's what crowned him with glory and honor. Yeah. And then he said that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone and I actually feel like there's a lot more significance in that scripture than we'd ever really sit back and think about. And, well, there's Pastor Dwayne right there. And so, um, because here he's saying that by the grace of God, Jesus is even able to face death. And it was by um, the help and the enablement of the Father. Because Jesus got to the point in the garden where if he didn't have God's grace and God didn't send the angels to minister him, did he make it to the cross? Like it was by God's grace and God's enablement because medically speaking, when his blood started to pour out of his pores, his heart was on the way to explode. Like medically speaking, there's a medical condition where your heart can begin to explode once that blood starts to pour out of your pores. And then that's when the angels came and ministered to him. The angels also came to minister to him in the, the desert. And you talked yeah. about how, you know, even when he was bleeding right there, he was fighting against sin. He was yeah. fighting against the weight of sin. He was yeah. he was drinking the cup of wrath. Yeah. And and so I think in all of that, it shows just how low he took himself and how lowly he was. And Corinthians says this, he who was rich became poor mm. so that in his poverty he can make those who are poverty rich. Yeah. That's not talking about anything, money. That's yeah, talking about spirituality. And so... In his richness, there was nobody richer. Yet he surrendered his wealth in the spirit 
and the the glory yeah. and became impoverished so that we could partake in his wealth. You know, I, I shared this well, a couple, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was last week with that group. I'm, I mean, in which way, uh, so God himself placed himself in his own creation, you know, so that uh, the, the people that he created could use the things that he created to kill the flesh that he created to put himself in <laughs> mm-hmm. so that he could die for those that creation to spend eternity with him <laughs> yep that you know that that's yeah i don't know it, it, i don't know how that sounded or whatever but yeah it's, he created us and he 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 the things that he created his creation used to slay him for the remission of the sins of the things that he created so that the, his creation could be with him in yeah. glory. Two of the that is the the most uh not selfish act <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. imaginable. <laughs> well, before I read our first trivia question today, there's two things about the gospel that I think we struggle as American church with. First one is I don't think we realize how good the gospel is. Like the how much good news it really is. The second thing is I don't think we realize and comprehend the weight and the cost of the gospel for Christ. Um, what it what it can took and what it can um, involved, because we treat the gospel as you know it's just a free gift. It don't cost nothing. Just receive. Well, to me, that's like slapping Jesus in the face to say the gospel's cheap and the gospel don't cost anything because the gospel, the good news, costs Jesus absolutely everything. And so it, it's we've got to be careful our vo- our vocabulary we use around this because first of all we don't realize how good the gospel is, but we also don't realize how costly it was. Well, and also I think that's that's part of our growth, you know. Uh, as and that goes to what I was saying. I'll just speak for myself, you know. Closer. Well, speak I get, fast. I got to go to the go. We we'll got to the break, and we'll the come closer back. Closer I get to him, the farther I feel like I am. You know. Yeah. I think that's part of it. Go ahead. All right. Let's read our first trivia question for the day because we got to get to break. Um, Wednesday question. No, it's Thursday question number one. What book mentions the custom of giving a person's one shoe as a sign of transferring property? What book mention mentions the custom of giving a person's one shoe as a sign of transferring property we'll be back here after the break 270-257-2689 we'll be right back here with mornings on box two radio on the box two radio network all right welcome back into mornings of box two radio on this beautiful october 12 2023 day the lord has made what book mentions the custom of giving in one person's shoe as a sign of transferring property uh it was ruth chapter four verse seven and mary royalty got that right amen so congratulations miss mary on getting your name in there um if i had any property to transfer greg i'll give you my shoe but you can have my car note well thanks (laughs) appreciate that do you need another truck you need a truck with a car note right i've got several trucks already (laughs) (laughs) all right um but truck poor could you imagine though like today if we sold a house with a shoe transferring a shoe for property oh i don't yeah i'm i'm i don't know what i'm lost here i don't, I don't even know what we're talking about <laughs> ruth what what book mentions the custom of giving a person's one shoe as a sign of transferring property oh okay 
See, we could do it. All right. And I'm going to give you a house. Here's my shoe. <laughs> All right. That's uh, crazy. But right. I, were, I was not following any of this. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm still playing. Well, I, I guess I, you could then yeah, be I a little bit I off need, guard. I, I need to go read Ruth. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. Ruth, it's, it's a good book. Short. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's short a short read. book. You can read it pretty yeah. quickly. It's, it's go a good Ruth. book. Yeah. Uh, um, but you know, it's it's a good one. It's it, there's definitely more to the story than you yeah. know that. But um, yeah, yeah. it is it was a sign of transferring property. You know, I, I thought yeah. you was giving me a shoe. I was like, well, okay, Aaron, thanks. Well, buddy. I mean, I appreciate. You know, it. I got shoes on today. At least one a little dirty, foot but will be you know will little. Be covered. Uh, <laughs> well, you could you could be like, um, I never understand the new fad with teenagers and stuff right now because they wear shoes that don't match. Like they're the same brand, but they don't match. Yeah, I don't know. So they're like wear one shoe white and the next one black, or like one red shoe and another blue shoe. And it's like it's the same shoe, but it's it's mismatched shoe. Yeah. But it's the same shoe. I don't understand the trend. Um, oh, well. So you remember the eighties? All them crazy sunglasses. You know. Well, I'm not that old, Greg. I'm not that old. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're always I was born, about how old you are. I was born in the 80s, Yeah, but I was a, I was a wee little lad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, a wee little lad. I was a, I was a 90s kid. Um, and so... But a lot of those sunglasses stuff's coming back into style, though. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 want a, I want a good pair of sunglasses one of these days. Yeah. Um, I've only ever bought, like, the, the cheap ones. And they always break so easy. You know, that just makes me think. Uh, these fads, they come and go. The different shoes, the sunglasses, all the things of men, they come and go. But, but Jesus never, never changes. changes. That's right. Good this, word, this word stays the same. Uh, you you got to do that little flare, though. <laughs> like, it's got to have a little B3 oh, organ hit behind you. Like I don't have no smoking. Uh, here. I just, I just say what it is. <laughs> the trends come just, and go. He just spit facts. He spits facts. That's the, tr- it. <laughs> the trends they come and go, but the one that remains true every day. <laughs> Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, All right. I'm waiting for the car salesman sale that's coming. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's no car salesman. It's just the. It's the I hear uh, Kevin Wallace all the time. I love listening to Kevin Wallace oh, preach. Yeah, okay. And he gets that organ yeah. behind him. Oh, and yeah. Heather said, "What would I think it was Heather who asked me once? We was listening to him on the trip, and you know, she goes, What would you do like if you could sing like him?'" I said, "I would probably sing my whole sermon, like, because <laughs> he has a good voice. Like yeah. he can flat out sing too." Yeah. And so I was like, "Well, I would definitely be singing my whole sermon." Well, you know, uh, I, another one that is Brother Ron. He used to sing. I'm. Uh, I was. One of the that's been a couple of weeks ago, but he actually uh, one of his you know his Salt Covenant hour he yep. he sang in it, and I thought, man, he yeah he's a really good singer. I I yeah. sang once on accident behind the mic, and I got <laughs> rebuked. Uh, and so it's been a little bit more than once uh, actually. Uh, but I get rebuked about every time. So hey, but it was for a good cause, you know. It was for a good cause. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we have some. Is the you say it's a rebuke for a good cause? Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, talking about uh, for uh, oh the, for the share the <coughs> yeah, Oh, the I forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah, that's what. No, I, was I don't about. think he's talking about that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's talking about at church. Oh, okay. Uh, one listener says the bell bottoms are back. They are back. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not a fan of bell bottoms, <clears throat> but you know. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, back when I was a young kid, now you might be this young. You might you might be able to remember this, Greg. You remember the the pants Jinkos? Yeah. Oh, they were awful. 
Yeah. I'll take bell bottoms over Jinkos. Like Jinkos were bell bottoms that started at the waist. Like the whole thing, like yeah, it was just all, like barrels, fifty-five gallon <laughs> drum barrels. Why did we wear stuff like? Did I you did, wear it? I didn't wear it. Oh, I, I did. Okay. In sixth grade, I remember. I was. Oh, yeah. I remember in sixth grade, I no, like. I, wasn't, I, I got wasn't a pair a for Christmas or birthday or something, I and I thought I was things. so cool. That was a lot of things. But, but you I, weren't a Jinko kid. Yeah, we couldn't afford them. Yeah, I got one pair, and I wore them like every day. I didn't care what people thought of me. I thought it was cool, um, and then. I destroyed that pair. And then looking back at pictures, I'm thinking, what in the world? <laughs> Why, Mom, would you even let me ever wear those out of the house? Um, and you so. You probably begged. I did beg. But Kids can be very, um, they get serious about what they want. Yeah. They are relentless sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Um, all one, right. One kid was trying to get me to pick them up early from school yesterday. Yeah, she was. <laughs> She was trying hard. She wouldn't back down. I'm like, I, I just don't think that that'd go with the <laughs> the rules there. <laughs> she said, "Well, well, just what about this break?" <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess um, we can get started into some Bible questions. So, Greg, are you ready to tell us what the red soup for Esau means, well, pertaining to eschatology and end time prophecy? Not really, because there's so much. Hey, you made the statement. Yeah. At least give give a little bit. So, all right, there's there's a lot to this, but I'll give the gist. So, because this is not a microwave dinner that you put in the microwave and you hit start and and then you get your meal. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a lot, but so the red soup. You know, uh, Esau, the red, the red army, which is Russia. So, the the Esau. And um, Jacob, who I love, Esau, who I'm hated. All right, so he loved, uh, he chastises those that he loved. What did he do with Esau? Didn't do anything, right? He just let him go. Well, <coughs> the Rush. Would you look up Rush in the Bible? And I, uh, I just do a quick thing. I think it's in Ezekiel. Rush, Rush, whatever. Uh, you doing that right now, Aaron? I'm trying. Okay. Ezekiel? Yeah, I think it is. I think what it... Well that, so, the descendants of his whatever, they, through a period of time, they become Russia. So, and this is the red, uh, it was red soup, you know, that's the, we've heard it called the Red Army and all this. And then Russia, being in the end times, you talk about uh, Gog and Magog, I don't know exactly which one is whatever, but... That is that is one of the armies, you know, one of the territories, one of the countries that is to come against the uh, the Israel. Well, Magog and Gog would be a northern alliance. It talks about. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. like I said, I, like I said, I'm not I'm not tying it all in. But the uh, the 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 thing about the red soup is significant because you know when you think Russia, most people think red. What do they think? Think China, right? Well. The Red Army was the Soviet Union and all this, and they are communists. They are they are not God fearing people. Not not I'm not saying every every one of them. I'm just saying for the for the history and for the majority, they they they're like Esau. They just do their own thing. They they take what they want. They do you know what I'm saying? They live for themselves and they take care of themselves and they do their self things and they do not give place to God. That's what Esau did. He he took care of his belly, 
he took care of the things he wanted at the time and mm. and so to give an understanding whenever it talks about Jacob who I love and Esau who I hated well he chastises those that he loved and buddy did he not wear out Jacob pretty good <laughs> you know what I'm saying and what did he do with Esau nothing he let him go he let him go his own way was Esau blessed yeah he was a great nation he become a great nation he did all the things but he didn't have God so mm. what do you have so but in which way so that's where I tied in so the red there's a lot of stuff to go in there you can start start your journey there and and, and talking about and I, did you find was it Ezekiel am I my well, address are well I mean Ezekiel 38 is where it discusses Magog and Gog but it associates because in the land of Magog the prince of Rosh or Rush, and, yeah, Rush, whatever. So, um, Meshach and Tabal and prophecy against him. Yeah, and it talks about this prince of Rush or Rush. Rush, Rush, yeah, that's Russia, whatever. So, but anyway, so that is the descendants. Like when you tie all that stuff together, the descendants of Esau, and that's where that comes in. So, and I, I, so how do you get to the? Where do you get on the? Because. I'm interested in understanding how you get to the red dragon being Russia. Where did, what scripture would you use for that? Now the red dragon. I'm oh, okay. So what I'm what I'm talking about is is just uh, now the red dragon. I'm, I'm not gonna go back to do all this because you're catching me off guard. Because I'm I'm not even. What are you talking about as far as red? So dragon? you said you? the red in prophecy would represent Russia. I've always yeah. seen the red dragon representing China. Okay. Well, so let's read that scripture, Red Dragon, that you're talking about, because I'm trying to run up. Because the dragon I'm thinking about is always Satan. Yeah. And and again... Well, I don't know if it says Red Dragon completely. Okay. Uh, let me go here. I'll, all right. I'll, so, uh, and again, this I is... I thought it did. All right. So my thing is this. When we talk about eschatology, and and I don't try to figure out which country does what, who's the north, who's the I don't, that's not my, my main focus. The, my main focus is Jesus Christ, and he, he is the way out. So all these things are going to come to make you think another way. It's going to make you think that this way is going to get you out of it, you know, to get to, to save you this way or that way. It's just, you know, so my eschatology is different than most because, <clears throat> yes, there are physical aspects that's going to take place. But the, it's still a spiritual battle all the way to the end because our weapons of warfare are not carnal. But they're, and, and these are, you know, so even my eschatology goes into that. Are bad things going to happen? Of course they are because the minds of men is going to be, you know, so bad things will happen. They will. But my eschatology is all based on spiritual. And I believe because it says do not uh, worry about the things, of the cares of this world. So if we go into eschatology and we, and we focus on what it says is going to happen to this world, I think we're missing the, the point because Jesus is not coming back for the world. He's coming back for his people. His people. Well, he came to save the world. I'm sorry? Well, he did come to save the world. He didn't come to condemn it, but to save it. So there is an aspect where he is trying to redeem the world. See, like, I okay, would... Well, okay, let me let me just go into that. So <clears throat> in order to redeem the world, so right now, what's wrong with the world? 
the people in it. So in order to redeem the world, you redeem the people. In order to redeem the people, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Yeah. So whenever he sets up his kingdom on earth, where is his kingdom? His kingdom is within us. So he, has, whenever you got everybody in the world, this kingdom of God is, is reigning in them, then it's going to be reigning on the world. Because it, it's yep. a seed that's planted inside. But Isaiah does promise a time when the kingdoms of this world becomes the kingdom of our God. Exactly. Um, exactly. Whenever but, he, uh, when Jesus returns and he play, and he sets up his kingdom on earth, the kingdom of God is within you. And whenever he returns and Satan's bound or even, even after that, his kingdom is set up. There's no place. Because like when you read in, in Zephaniah, it talks about it. It talks about how, how his people... Uh, uh, only teaches to do good and not to do evil and and all these things and it talks about him being there with them and his being of one mind the whole world being of one mind mm-hmm. and if we're in one mind of christ that's pretty much saving the world that's but, you know so but i would see i do see eschatology a little bit different we talked yeah. about this oh, because yeah. Yeah. um i see it as important to understand the natural events that are happening um because if he didn't want us to understand naturally what was happening, he wrote a lot of scripture about it that would be. And, and I agree. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but what I what I want to say is the events that's happening that's that are to come have been happening all all around. You know, it has been happening since Cain slayed Abel. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful if 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 the events is what you're looking at because you know when Hitler took over. We thought that was the Antichrist. He's taking over the world. The one man, you know. So, I mean, so the events, they are. You know, I'm not denying those. I'm not taking away from those. But I think that it's a, it's a spiritual thing because it says, in a time you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Mm. So if if it's a time you think not, you know, if if it's a hard time, it says if it were possible, we, he would deceive the very elect. If it were possible. If it were possible. So that means he's going to be very deceptive. So if he's chopping people's heads off, we're going to know that's not Jesus. And if and if at a time you, uh, such as you think not, well, when are you not looking for the Lord? When everything's hunky-dory and you're not, when you're not in desperate need of him. You see what I'm saying? So I just think we need to be careful because we need to take all of this into, into account with our eschatology because there's different things... Yeah, there's bad things going to be happening, but uh, there's just there's just a whole lot more to it than just the natural. Well, there's a lot of in. Well, I think spiritual. Stuff. For me, Scripture speaks of the rapture happening during a time of not complete peace, but more of a peaceful time because I believe the church, and we would see this is caught out. Diff, it's caught out right before the wrath really begins to be poured out and judgment really starts to happen in, a, in an extreme sense, um, but. Well, but but see, I and can't. That's where me and you see it different. Yeah, we I, do. And I don't want to. And this is this is why, you know, eschatology it can get because I don't want to confuse anybody, and I don't want to to uh, to make confusion. You know, so the thing is this: uh, we're gathered together with Him in the clouds. That's it says, Jesus, you know, we will we will meet Jesus in the clouds. So uh, I don't know of anywhere where anybody leaves before they meet him in the clouds unless they just die. 
you know, then, you know, to be absent of the body, be present with the Lord. So in my eschatology, we meet him in the clouds whenever, whenever at his descension, because in like manner, whenever uh, Peter was standing there and they was all watching him, angel said, why do you stand here gazing in the clouds? In like manner, he shall return. So there was a time frame because they're standing there watching him go until he just disappears. So there's a time. Dis- but like- I do think there is a time period when they do meet him because in Revelation, is it six or seven? Um, you know, there's a great multitude that got caught out of the great tribulation. Yeah. Who's yeah. worshiping and they're all tribes and all. Yeah. And what you're talking about is the millennium right there. Yeah, I don't think I think it's too early for the millennial. You haven't even I, broke the seals or anything. Well, I don't. I, don't. I mean the trumpets, See, I, and that's where me and you are different because yep. that is talking about the millennial, you know, to come through the tribulation. Because, uh, but these they didn't they didn't come through the tribulation. It says they were taken out of the tribulation. Either, well, just I I don't know what to say. As yeah. far as what you know, I can't make you see what I see. So yeah. I what I'll say is this. Uh, when Jesus returns, in like manner that he left, he's returning. So there's a time. And I believe there, that, too. There's a time frame. Okay, so they're going to see him, and the, the scroll is rolled open, it says. Well, you know, I talked about the scrolls rolled open. There's silence in heaven, and the scroll is 30 minutes. 30, okay. In uh, Matthew, it talks about in the sign of the Son of Man, immediately after the tribulation of those days, there's a sign of the, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the sign. So there it is. The scrolls opened up. But I, I wouldn't disagree Every, with you on that because everybody sees I it. think the Mount Olivia discourse is the second coming of Christ. I don't think it's the rapture of the church. Uh, well, I see. And that's that's where me and you are different right yeah. there. That's the, because I believe the second coming is when we meet him in the air. Yeah. Because every needs but, yeah. but that is where we're different because you leave yeah. the church here the whole time. Yeah. I take the church out sometime. Yeah, because uh, because tribulation. It says yeah. immediately after tribulation. Because we are not subject to wrath. But in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. But we're, we are and subject tribu- to tribulation, but never subject to wrath exactly. because Jesus had already paid our wrath. Right. So the wrath comes. The wrath comes when Jesus. When Jesus brings the wrath. But the wrath now, doesn't come before Jesus. I'd have to look back, but I think he associates the bows with wrath, not tribulation. Well, uh, and that the however you want to look at it, but Jesus brings the wrath with him. Yeah, and we meet him in the in the, in the air. Mm-hmm. You know, now whether that now people you can say it wherever he's at, that's where we'll be. Whether we're in the air, or whatever. But the breath, uh, air could be tugging his breath, so face to face. Uh, could be floating in the air. We, you know, we, we're in either which way, wherever he is, whenever he returns, we're going to immediately be transformed. Excuse me. Well, our spiritual bodies, you know what I'm saying? And we're going to meet him there. And I, and that on his second coming, because I, uh, nowhere do I see it meeting him or leaving until we meet him. Mm-hmm. The only way we leave here is if we die. To be absent, this body is present with the Lord. And and if the rapture that everybody talks about is meeting Jesus, well, the only time the Bible talks about us meeting him in the air is whenever he's returning, in his return. I don't know. <clears throat> I, yeah. I, so, we, we've talked about this quite a bit, me and you. Yeah, and again. I, um, but I, I do think, though, 
I think there's something significant around whenever right between the seventh seal and the first trumpet and the 30-minute break, there's a great multitude in heaven. That's when the 144,000 are being sealed, the Jewish evangelists, 12,000 from each tribe. And I, I feel like there's something significant there. And, then and see, that, that 144,000 and all that, when you're reading, if you go and read that, they are preaching in the millennium. The, but I don't see them preaching in the millennium. Well, they are. But where do you get that scripture? In the in the Bible, it, where it's read. Well, we can go there and read it. Well, we have to do that after the break because we are having break, a hard break, and I I got to get going because I got two minutes to get this okay. illegal ID in. Uh, Thursday question number two, sponsored by Heaton Lane Surveying. Who sealed up five Amorite chief train? Um, train let's see, chief trains, chief tains. What is? I don't even know what that <laughs> word is. I don't know. Chieftains in a cave by rolling large stones across the entrance. Chieftains. Chieftains, I guess. What is chieftains? Is that a new? Te- is that a King James word? I don't know. I don't know, but it, that sounds more. Hannah, do you know what chieftains means? I don't either. This must be a word I don't know. All right. Um, what? Who sealed up? So I guess I wouldn't get this answer right. Um, who sealed up five Amorite chieftains in a cave by rolling large stones across the entrance? 270-257-2689. We'll be right back here after the break on Mornings with Box 2 Radio on the Box 2 Radio Network. All righty. We are back here. Miss Gail got that right, and she told me chieftains are kings. They're kings. I said, why can't you just use the word kings? Yeah. Why? What's a key, what's chief? I don't know. <laughs> it King James it sounds like a candy. Uh, hey, why don't they call him chieftain? Yeah. James version. The chieftain James version. Yeah. I, I've never, I don't know. Like, just tell me, just say kinks for me. Come on now. Yeah. All right. Uh, simpletons, we need some help. <laughs> yeah. I, I read the chieftain James version. I read the simpleton standard version. <laughs> Give me as simple as I possibly can. All right. That's what I need. Um, my brain needs a simplicity. SSV yep. coming out with it. Yep, I'm making that. If they can make a pirate translation, I can make a simpleton translation. I don't even know what simpleton means. It's probably a bad word or something like that. <laughs> it's another old English word. I don't know what it means. All right. Um, all right. So let's get um, – we have a couple of listeners who are still trying to wait for us to talk about this. Um, tell me where the 144,000 are in the millennial. Okay. So, uh, let's go, let's go to Revelation chapter seven. That's where it talks about the 144,000. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. And then it goes, let's see. And it starts, it starts talking about, uh, in the first of seven, it goes through and, and it describes the 144,000, which is, are the tribes mm-hmm. right all right but well, i think it's significant though to talk about what's happening before okay let's because let's he says after these times i saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth yep. holding the four winds of the earth that okay. the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or the, any tree and i saw under another ascending from the east having a seal of the living god and he cried with a loud voice to, uh to the to four, the four angels. angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in, our, in their foreheads. And mm-hmm. I heard a number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed 144,000 and all the tribes of children of Israel. Yes. And all the tribes of Judah. They go through all the tribes. And then it, then it goes, uh, after the last tribe, which is verse 8, it starts in verse 9. It says, After this I beheld 
and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne, and all about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, mm-hmm. saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Mm-hmm. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence did they come? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest, And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Mm -hmm. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he (coughs) that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. He shall hunger, or they shall hunger no more, neither shall thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and god shall wipe away all their tears now Mm -hmm. did you catch that what i just read Mm -hmm. so this is not the millennial is it no exactly so they so now did you hear what just happened all the 144,000 and the ones that were clothed in white robe, all that come through the tribulation are in heaven with him. This is talking about the new heaven and new earth because the. But it doesn't say the the 144,000, they're not in the multitude. The multitudes are those who came out of the great tribulation. Well, after this, I beheld a great multitude which no man could. So. Yeah, but I think here he's saying. The 144,000 are not in heaven. They're being marked on the earth because they are still on the earth. Because because they're actually holding back the angels well, on the on four corners from hurting the earth. But until that can't be. That can't be because of the last verse here. Because the last verse here says that, uh, uh, says they shall hunger no more, neither thirst no more, neither shall the sunlight on them or nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all their tears. But this now, is still talking about the great multitude. Well, you're still talking about the great multitude. I put it all, they described the 144,000. That was the Jews, the to first the Jews and then the Gentiles. And then this nine is the, the Gentiles. That's the way I'm reading this because it doesn't separate in there. It well, just it describes them from where they actually. Come from I mean, myself, then, the way I see it, I don't yeah. think you're far off because, but I do think your difference on the millennial and your, I I don't think the 144,000 are in heaven right now. I think the multitude is because I believe that multitude is the church that's been raptured out, and I think then Rev, um, Romans when he says that. All right, where the, do they leave? Where do they leave? Mm-hmm. Well, you would. I believe they could leave about any time. And I think they're... Where, where, where does the word say that? They, Thessalonians they, talk of the catching up, the catching away. And, um, and that meets Jesus in the air. 
Well, no, I don't think the rapture is them meeting Jesus in the air. I think that's us getting caught up to him. Jesus isn't coming back during the rapture. The church is leaving. So, and see, my thing is the, I don't believe that the, the rapture takes place before Jesus returns. I believe the, when Jesus returns, we meet him in the air. And on his descension, we're with him coming down. As the wrath is poured out, as he's coming down, we are above the wrath. So, but we're, but if you put these great multitude lumped in with the hundred forty-four thousand here, then this is this is afterwards. What I'm th- that's my whole point. This this right here, what he's talking about here, this congregation in heaven. This is this is what I'm talking about. It's this is this is afterwards. That's that's my but where whole does, point of this conversation. Now this you're going to hear how me and Greg talk in private. Yeah, um, that's why I didn't want to do so, this. But, but I think people, people learn so from this. Confused. But where in Scripture does it give you permission to believe that? That it's all of these lumped together? Because, see, I look at Scripture and I look at the grammar here and what he's saying. He's telling me in the first part of it that there's these four angels are about to harm the earth. Mm-hmm. All right? And this angel of the Lord, sealed by God, comes in and stops them for a second and says, says, don't do anything to the earth. Until they have the seal of God. Because I need them protected. Because I don't want them touched. So that tells me the 144,000 have to be on the earth or they didn't need the seal. Okay. So what? So, is, so you're saying that the seal of God is only on those 144,000? Right here? Yes. I think that's what the scripture is saying at this point. At that time. Okay. Well, I think because I have the seal of God in my forehead. You have the Holy Spirit on the day of redemption. That is the seal of God yeah. because in the Holy Spirit you are sealed. But that's this seal I think is differently. I think this seal is a different seal. I think this seal is a supernatural protection because... That's what the Holy Spirit is. But but I think in this regard though, I think the 144,000 are going to be here during some of the most tribulation times there is but they won't be touched i think that uh, the whole point of the tribulation is to bring it's his last god's laughter the tribulation brings repentance and if you don't turn to god in the greatest tribulation that ever was or ever will be then you're never going to turn to god this is his last effort to turn his people towards him this is why the tribulation is so great and tribulation brings repentance Mm -hmm. and we're not subject to wrath. We're subject, but in this world, you will have tribulation. And the way through the tribulation is Christ Jesus. He is the ark through this next flood of deception that is to come. And it is deception that's coming because it's the dragon who sent the flood after the child, uh, after the, the woman had the child in the wilderness, he sends a flood into the wilderness to flush the child out. And the child is, our, is the church. And it's the flood of deception by the enemy. Be not deceived. How many times did Jesus say, be not deceived? <clears throat> and it says that uh, when the dragon sends the flood in and all this stuff comes out, Jesus is the way out. That's when we go back to Matthew and it talks about he that on the rooftop, let him not come down after his things. Don't hold on to the things of this world when, he, when, you, when the Lord is returning. Don't let him find you holding on to the things of this world says, let me go to that and just read it here, <clears throat> Matthew 24. And it, but see, I, it's not that I... So what I'm saying is that 
that everybody, we're going to live through this tribulation, but Jesus is going to bring us through the tribulation because he is our rest, he's our refuge, he is our rock, <coughs> and he is our salvation through all of these things. And it's a, uh, and I'm going to read, where was that at? I can't even remember where it was at in 24. Okay. So, well. All right. So okay. After the tribulation of these days. All right. Matthew chapter fifteen. Let me read this and break this down. Matthew chapter twenty-four, starting in verse fifteen. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. All right. Uh. Would you care to turn to Micah in chapter 4? <clears throat> All right. And then let him which on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which be in the field return back to his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Except those days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. All right, so let me break this down about the, we're talking about tribulation. All right, so it says, therefore you shall see abomination. All right, let them which be in Judea, Flee into the mountains. Did you find Micah? Micah 4. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Micah 4, verse 1 and 2. But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established on the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Okay, so let them in Judea flee into the mountains. So that means we're talking about this tribulation such never was or ever going to be. The way through this is to turn to God. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 16. Now, verse 17. Let him which is on a housetop not come down to take anything out of his house so we're talking about the return of the lord here so if he finds you holding on to things in this house like you got to run away from the lord to go get something that you want you've put something in, in ahead of the lord you see what i'm saying it says do not take no thought for the cares of this world i don't know i'm not saying that right but but any which way, don't hold on to the things of this world. Don't be choked up by the things of this world. And in verse, uh, let's see, verse 18. Let him which be in the field re uh, not return back. Wait a minute. Neither let him which in the field return back to take his clothes. All right. So if you're in the field and you're working and the Lord comes and you got to turn back to grab your clothes. Your clothes is self-righteousness. We are we want to be robed in his righteousness. We don't want our clothes. We want to be clothed in his righteousness, not our self-righteousness. And in verse 19, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. This used to really get to me because 
whenever my wife was pregnant with my baby, which is going to be six now, I remember actually calling and uh, uh, talking to uh, or texting on Brother Ron's text machine what he thought about this because I was afraid because I thought we was in the last days. I was like, man, my wife's pregnant. What am I going to do? You know, well, but the Lord showed me this. Woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Now, God, he wants us, he, he commanded us to go and repopulate the earth or replenish the earth, you know. And so he's not contradicting himself here. But when the Lord returns after his bride, a virgin bride, if you're a virgin, you don't have any kids. If you're a virgin, you're not nursing a child. If he comes back and you are with child or you are nursing a child, you are unfaithful. Woe unto you, unfaithful children, on my return. All right? But pray that your flight, this is verse 20, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. What does that mean? Pray that your flight be not in the winter. So the coming of the Lord is the harvest. All right. He is harvesting his people. Thrust the sickle, it says, you know, thrust the sickle down. The harvest is white for, you know, the world. So when he returned, he's coming for his harvest. And if you are taken in the winter, you are taken out of season. You are found by, if you wait till wintertime for your harvest, there's nothing going to be there for you. Everything's going to be gone. It's going to be dead. It's going to be dried up. Don't wait. You you are the the uh, virgins with lamps with no oil. You don't have the. You know what I'm saying. You have. You are found. You come back. You're already too late. The door's closed. Turn from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Pray that your flight be not in the winter. Then shall great tribulation such was not since the beginning of the world to this day, except those days be shortened. There shall no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Mm -hmm. So that's this is my whole point about all these things. There are going to be things that we see and things that we that we go through. But Jesus is our way out. Jesus is our way out of these things. He's always the way. And the hundred and forty four thousand, all these these things, these are. These are all uh, people who are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So in all this this end-time prophecy, it all boils down to trusting in the Lord over everything that you see because to think that you could get out of this world without tribulation, Jesus didn't. Are you better than But Jesus? I don't think even with the rapturist... Like I would be. I'm not excusing us from tribulation. I'm yeah. taking us out of the wrath. Exactly, and that's what I'm but doing. But see, it, with your theology... We, we are not taking, we're not subjected but, to any wrath. Hold on, before you... I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that, because I'm not. Because Jesus, as he when he returns, he is bringing the wrath. So would you he say we're here during the bows? We're here, yes, because... All but, right, let's do this. Let's do this. I Let me say this, just so people can understand what I'm saying. I think that the the vows or the bowls, the mm -hmm. bowls, the seals, and the trumpets 
There's seven of each, and I think they are three different aspects of the same thing. So you, uh, the first bowl, the first trumpet, the first uh, seal. I think the trumpet is the command, the bowl is the action, and the seal is the knowledge of what's going on. So, uh, and this is why I think they're all three the same taking place simultaneously i know that me and you talked about this and you think they're consecutive and that's you know that's that's what well, you see it i think that they're compiling and i think it's a progressive uh, judgment well, let's all three go to the seventh of each one and re- well and before we do that seven. though like because um i've i'm trying to make sure i'll give you time to you know express your yeah. your opinion on it but i do want to ask this one question um you said that we're not here for wrath and you're saying they're all three So what do you do with Revelation 16? If we're here for the bowls, he says, go pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Yeah. So let's read what they all are. Well, I mean, let's see here. Because the, so the bowls of wrath, he can, so let me ask you this. Did he not pour out his wrath on Egypt? Did he pour his wrath on Egypt? Yeah, but now okay, we're, so but, but this, this is what well, I'm you're asking. asking me questions. Well, let me answer. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And so here we go. So like, but if but now I'm hearing though, like we are wrath, but then we're not wrath. So no. which one are we having wrath or are we not I'm, having wrath? No, I'm saying we are not subject okay. to wrath. All right, we are not subject to wrath. All right, and okay, then, I got you there. So that's what I'm saying. Just like whenever they poured out the wrath on Israel. You see what I'm saying? Yep. The they the blood of the lamb over the doorpost kept them. God kept them through all that. <laughs> and in this, in so like, so you think manner. when the wrath is happening, we're still going to be here, but we're not going to be affected by it. Now, the fi- I guess I guess what I uh, to pinpoint it is the final. So if we go to the if we go to the seventh seal, the seventh uh, vow, and the seventh trumpet. That is the return of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. If you go to the sixth seal, the sixth vial, and the sixth trumpet, that is the revelation of the Antichrist. And that is the number 666 as well. The sixth vial, the sixth seal, the sixth trumpet. But all of that right there, that is the re- that's whenever the Antichrist is revealed. And if we go to Thessalonians, it says that day shall not come. Talking about the return of Christ. That day shall not come except the man be revealed. And then it talks about uh, it talks about uh, the the coming woes. Then the last two quotes, uh, woes come quickly. Well, that's the sixth, seventh vow and the sixth and seventh seal, the sixth, seventh uh, trumpet. They come quickly because once he's revealed, people realize who Satan is, Jesus is revealed in the air. And that's that whenever everybody, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall, shall confess, there's a period of time whenever he is descending in Revelation and talks about where they gather the armies up. So there's a period of time they watching him coming and they see where he's going to land. They gather his armies together in Revelation. So... During this period of time, that's when we are meeting him in the air. And as he's descending is when we meet him in the air. Um, all right, so if we go to Revelation chapter 8, that's what I'm looking for. All right. So we'll finish with the seventh seal. 
And he opened the seventh seal. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, I don't think it's any coincidence that this happened right after the great, the 144,000 and the great multitude. But again, we're going to see that differently because I believe that while the 144,000 are being sealed on the earth, I believe the great multitude is the church being caught out. And I believe in Romans when it talks about that the age of the Gentile church is coming to the fullness, then Israel's going to be provoked into jealousy and Israel's going to have revival. How will they be jealous if nobody's here to be jealous of? Well, I think they're going to be jealous because they see the Gentile church actually taken out and everything they've heard is true. Well, I guess you could see it that way, but if nobody's here to tell them. But that's where the 144,000 are there. That's what I think the 144,000 are here to preach the gospel because I think they're on the earth in the midst of this greater tribulation writing to wrath. Because, uh, Well, if you can show me where they leave, because the only place I see anybody leaving is... When well, Revelation Jesus 7, the there's a people come out. There's a coming out of the great multitude. It's not people who made it through. It says in Romans, I mean, in the previous chapter, it says with the great multitude, after these things, I looked a great multitude, which no one can number of all nation, tribes, tongues, people standing before the throne of God. Um, let's see here. Where's it at? Um, that verse. Yeah. Well, chapter 7, verse 9. Um, chapter 7, verse 9. So he's seeing them come. No, there's a part I'm missing here, and I can't find where it's at. No. Um, but I know it's in there because I've. Okay, um, verse 14. And he said to them, Sir, you know. He said, yeah. These are the ones that come out of the great tribulation. So Not make it through, it. but come out. I think they're in it because I'm a mid trip guy. So I believe the church is there for the seven seals. Actually, I think they're there for the six seals well, and the seven seals, let's, the opening. Let's just, let's just do this real quick. Let's, all three of us, you're at the seventh seal or a seventh trumpet. Yeah. Which one are you at? I'm at the seventh um, seal opening the right. prelude to the seven trumpets. See if you can find the seventh. Uh, I'll I'll go the seventh. Uh, you which one are you? Did you say you are? I'm at the seal. The seal. Go to the vial. You go to the seventh vial, and I'll go to the seventh trumpet. Now let's just read what they say. <clears throat> so here in the seventh seal, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God unto them who were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints unto the golden altar which was before the throne. And then the smoke of incense. Let's move on down a little bit farther. Then so the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. See, for me, because I believe they're progressive, I don't think the seven trumpets with the the seven angels, the trumpets were even prepared to sound until the seventh seal. Right. Um, and I understand what you're telling me. And I, I think that you can't explain three different aspects in one explanation that you got to explain the trumpets. You got to explain the seals. You got to explain the vials. So and why I, would it say, why would it say here though, that until the seventh seal happened, the seven with the trumpets weren't prepared to blow. Well, because right. if they were already doing it, this, well, let me read the, let me read the, I'm in chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded and there was a great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Mm-hmm. And he shall reign forever and ever. Now, what does yours say? What is yours? What is the seventh of yours say? Uh, the seventh angel sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven. The kingdoms no, of the world. No, no, no. Your seal. Your seventh the seal? seal? Yeah. What did your seal, your seventh seal say? Um, 
it don't say much on that. It just says, and the seventh seal was open, and there was silence in heaven for half an hour. And? And then they took it, um, and then I saw seven angels who stand before God. To them were given seven trumpets. So the trumpets, according to Revelation 8, wasn't even released to the angels until the seven seals broken. All right, let me... Where's the seven seals at? Reven, Revelation 8 is where the seventh seal. The first six seals are found in Revelation chapter 6. six. Yeah. But the, the, the seventh seal, which preludes to the seven trumpets, is after the 144,000 and the great multitude. All right. And I saw the seven angels stood there before God, and then were given seven trumpets. And another came at an altar having a golden censer, and there was given to him... Uh, much incense that he should offer it the, the prayers of all the saints upon the golden censer and smoke and incense with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the <coughs> angel's hand and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth where there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes now this happens in Matthew chapter 24 he talks about the sign of son, well that son happens of at the end of everyone but it well, doesn't mean that my, it's a finality of it. This is my point. This is what I'm saying. This is the return of Christ here in the seventh, in the seventh uh, seal here. And then <clears throat> the seventh angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded. But it says, uh, took the gold, let's go back to verse 5. And took the golden censer and filled with fire and altar and cast it into the earth where there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquakes. Now, is that, that right there is a sign of the coming of the Lord in Matthew chapter 24. Mm-hmm. It says immediately after the tribulation of those days, you'll see this sign. So, but if it can't, it can be a reoccurring sign though. Uh, well, you, okay. because, because right here at this point, like what I'm trying to say is it's really specific right there in Revelation when it says that once the seven seals open, then the seven trumpets are handed out. See, this is what I'm saying. This is the knowledge. The seals are the knowledge. The trumpets are the commands, and the vowels, are you there at the seventh vowel? The vowels are the actions. This is, this, is my, this is my whole point here. This is why they, so the trumpet, the trumpet was the command, all right? And the seal is the knowledge. So the, this is him, the knowledge of what. What do you mean by command? command? Because so, there's action being done in the trumpets, too. And so that is the, yes, and this is the, the knowledge of the description. So the action is in a trumpet. Go ahead and read the trumpet. Are you there? Well, well I'm, I just want to use this for an example because if they're all three the same thing, why in the seven trumpets? So if you take the third trumpet, all right, so the third trumpet, one-third of the water turns bitter. Okay. And that's Revelation 8, 10, and 11. Now, if you go to the seven plagues, I mean the seven bows, or some people do call them the seven plagues because that's yeah. the wrath, yeah. it says... The third. The river turns to blood. Or you can go to the fourth trumpet. In the trumpets, one-third of the sun, moon, and stars do not shine. But in the fourth bow, mankind is scorched by the sun, blasphemes God. Like, there's totality in the bows. But there's only, like, for me, I don't under necessarily understand the command because even in the trumpets, there's action. Like, yeah. one-third of the so fish the, life the is trump- dying. Yeah, the trumpet is a command. Mm-hmm. The seal is the knowledge, the understanding of what's taking place. And what's the vial say there, the seventh vial? Let's, we, we still haven't got to it yet. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is done. 
and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. Okay, now just, just for a second, we'll stop there. Let me read this verse 5 here. And the angel took a censer and filled it with fire, the altar, and cast it into the earth. There were voices and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. This, that's the seventh seal. And then the seventh trumpet. What's the seventh trumpet say? It's going to say something similar because there is lightning and thunderings at everything. Now, what's the seventh trumpet say? Um, I'll have to go there. I'm oh, not, that I wasn't. Was there. I'm no, sorry. I was at the seventh seal. Oh, yeah, um, that's, where was, that's where I'm at. Um, Let me go back. All right, so verse 15 of chapter 11. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, and the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ, and shall reign forever and ever. Mm-hmm. All right, so that right there is, draw, this is the this is the sickle, the sensor dropping it in there. This is the harvest. This is his return, right here at the seventh of each one. He's talking about his return. Now we can go through and we can we can go we can each go to each first of each one and and we can talk about the different things. But you got to read. We got to read it all together. We can't pit one against the other. We should read them all together. But you can you can pit one against another okay. because because well, at that sense, like, I mean, if you go to this okay. second trumpet, right. there's one-third of sea becoming blood, okay. one-third of ships and sea life are destroyed by the fire. If you go to the second bow, sea turns to complete blood, and all sea creatures die. Yeah. So is it one-third, or is it all? Well, let's read it here. It says, uh, let's see. I saw the which. Wait a minute. Which one? Which one did you go to? The second seal. Second. Or? Well, you can go to the second trumpet and the sef- second seal because because okay. even the second when, seal it has nothing to do with sea life. That has to do with war because that's a red horse. All right. Crown was given in the hit. Let's see. And I saw him hold white. Right Second, there we go, verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse, and it was red. And power was given unto him, therefore, to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. All right. Now, that was the seal. Now, which one are you at? The but what, what, now, let's, what would you uh, think that seal is, though? What you, this the red horse would you would you would you agree that's war because they're killing each other yes um, that is the uh, behold a red horse that set on him had a bow a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer so oh wait no that was the first one I read the wrong one and he had opened in a second BC come and see and there went out a horse. That was red, and power was given him there to take peace, peace of the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So that right there, that is the the power struggle that we see now over the kingdoms. You see what I'm saying? The who okay. who wants to be in charge? Now let's talk about this. Let's I want to I want because you're talking about the seas and everything. So let's go. Uh, where are you at in the? So the second trumpets, the sea struck. Revelation 8, then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, so if we go to 
And we're talking about the sea here. If we go to chapter 16, I think it is, we got to talk about when he talks about his description. Uh, that's the, it talks about the seas being people. Whenever he's talking about the description, when the angel is explaining to John what he's seeing in these, when he talks about the seas, the seas are people. So the the living creatures in the sea died? Let me get the... This is not good radio. I'm sorry, people. But uh, I think it's chapter 14 when it talks about the description of it all. I don't know. But the... These people, that, the things that do it, this is what I'm talking about by being the spiritual aspect of it because, I mean, if we're going to be looking at seas being covered in blood and all that, which, which, may, <clears throat> which may happen, what has that got to do with our salvation? But I'm just saying it's in the Scripture. I, I know that it's in the Scripture, but that's what I'm trying to tell you, that it is spiritual aspect of these things. These, this is, a, it says... All these are spiritual aspects. So when it's talking about the sea, and it's talking about the, the things that are dying in the sea, it's talking about this different... Let's, where are you at here? Let me read it. But like, where does it give us permission to only take it spiritually? Well, where does it give you permission to just take it literally? Well, this is what he saw, though. As in a, yeah, he saw it in a vision. Well, a he, he saw vision. this to Revelation so that we may know the end time. Yeah. And yes. so, but like, for me, though, I, I think we're taking a lot of liberty to take the natural out of it. Well, and I think that we're taking a lot of liberty to take the spiritual out of yeah, it. Yeah. Because we are spiritual beings. Our body is a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But our spirit is going to last forever. Mm-hmm. So if we, it says, it says, he that seek to save his own life shall lose it. He lay down his life for my name's sake shall have it. Well, to lay down our life is to lay down our flesh. Yeah. But but why would he put all this in here then? Because I don't, like, this is where I'm struggling. Because okay. if I'm not supposed to read this and learn it, then why is it there? Well, because he is the teacher. That's that's what it is. Because if we lean on our own, under, it says lean not on your own understanding. And only he can be, he he's the only one that can reveal these things to us. You know, regardless of what me and you are saying, you know, Jesus is the one that reveals these things to us. And whether or not the sea is going to be turned to blood, you know, at, it, it may do that. I, I'm not going to say that it ain't. I'm not going to say that it is. But what does that do? Why would would that be significant for us? Well, I think it's significant for us because the Lord wrote the word and he saw fit to put it in there. Exactly. So that's us. And we are spiritual beings and it's there for our admonition. So for us to grow spiritually, not fleshly. But then I think that's I think that's a really dangerous game yeah. because at that point we can all discern for ourselves by what we feel like our spirits are no, doing. Because then you just said it yourself. You're discerning for yourself. But all that's I'm doing, not, like all I'm doing, is looking at the the second seal says a rider on a red horse is coming mm-hmm. to make war. Yeah. The second trumpet is saying that some that a mountain is falling into the sky. One third of the sea life's going to die. Yeah, and then the seventh bowl says the angel, an angel's pouring something out into the ocean, yep. and it's turning all blood, and all sea life is dying. Yep. So, like, 
So, so that has spiritual and natural in it mm-hmm. because we're not going to see the angel do that probably. Yeah, but or, it's still going to natural. We're going to naturally see the things happen. Yeah, and but if it, like and for the ones who die, like they could be walking around here dead, you know, and that don't mean they're zombies. That means they're spiritually dead. And if you are spiritually dead, you're dead. I mean, you you know what I'm saying? I mean, but that's that's I don't, dead. I don't know if we can look at everything like that, though, because look <clears throat> at what happened well, like with uh, Egypt, like plagues of, of mm-hmm. Egypt. Yeah. Those things were physical plagues, yep. and they were mentioned in the Scripture yep. just as well as these yep. are going to be. Yeah. So I don't think we can say that no plagues are going to happen. That, and I'm not physically. saying that. I'm saying these that the tribulation is coming, and we're going to we're going to be in this tribulation. These these different things, whatever this is spiritually. So just like all right. So just like when he's talking about the scorpion army or the locust army, all right, these ain't bugs coming after us. The power's in their head and in their tails, all right? So they have power to do whatever. The power's in their head. So we look at this now. What's that mean? The power's in their head and in their tails. Are they going to bite us and, and sting us with their tails, the scorpion army? Well, the power's in the head of state. The head of state makes the rules. The tails are the people who implement those rules. You see what I'm saying? Now, you could look at it as insects or you can look at it as as the spiritual aspect that's controlling because we wrestle not against uh, flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. So all these things are taking place in a spiritual realm. So the powers in their heads and their tails, like a scorpion. He, he uh, talks about the scorpion army. All right, so wh- how does the scorpion eat? So it has a, uh, it, it's, uh, powers in their heads and their tails. It stings them. The, when a scorpion eats, uh, it, it stings them and paralyzes them. Then it takes its pinchers, it grabs them. Stor- a scorpion doesn't have a stomach. So it uses the body. It, in, it secretes enzymes in there that rots out their stomach and then sucks it up like soup. The but, backbones and all. Let me, hold on, let me finish this. All right. So whenever he sucks the, all their backbones and all out of it, it talks about this in Revelation. That is the same as, so whenever they make these rules... The government, the one world government that it talks about to come, makes rules. It paralyzes people. And then they're in fear. They're paralyzed in fear. The pinchers represents the laws that the that this has made to where you can't get away from it. And it injects its poison in there to where it robs the backbone of of its prey. So what happens? I mean, we see that right now in the church. We see the backbones of a lot of preachers being dissolved because they're afraid of the rules that are put in place. And we see that evolving now. So it is spiritually and physically. But we have to we have to we have to have a mixture of both. We have to have God give us the revelation and not our own understanding. Because if we just look at it in our own understanding, we ain't never going to figure it out because we're talking about blood, seas going to blood and we got locusts crawling around, scorpion armies, this and that. We can't look at it in our natural. We have to take it all into account. It has to be spiritual as well. All right. Well, but if you want to go to that, that then there is times that John will use the phraseology and the vocabulary, it's as if or it's like. Mm-hmm. He did that with in the seventh, actually in the second trumpet. He says, like a mountain. It's going to be like a mountain. So that gives us permission for parallelism and comparison out there. Here, though, he says, angel poured out his bow on the sea, and it became blood as a blood of man. And every living creature in the sea died. There's no 
permission to make that spiritual. He's just telling us every living creature in the sea died. Yeah, I think we have to use like the context of what he's saying and wisdom too, because I mean, if he's talking about the sea and everything dying, that's a pretty blatant visual picture that he could see. But if he's seeing locusts flying in the air, I have heard people postulate, well, a helicopter looks a lot like a locust. So he could have, he wouldn't have known what a helicopter is. It's like as. But it's like as it could look like a locust. So I think we just have to look at each individual thing. I don't think because one thing is a symbol means that everything is a symbol. But I don't think that nothing is a symbol because we have to look at each individual line upon line. I think, I mean, I agree with, that's what we say a lot. Yeah. And a locust, it goes back to... uh, Ezekiel, I think, or <coughs> Jeremiah, or Isaiah, one of the, uh, it all goes back to, they talk about the locust, and uh, the canker worm, and all these things, and all that, you know, that's bitterness, you know, what the locust come, uh, and whatever the locust didn't eat, the canker worm comes, and it eats it even farther, you know, it's, that's bitterness, all these representations of, of spiritual battles that we go through. Mm-hmm. But he was full of spirit and of truth. Mm-hmm. So, and I think one thing that I'm cautious of when I study the word is I'm not waiting for God to reveal something he's already revealed. Like he's given us this word because that is the revelation. And and I think that even in the book of Revelation, the book of anything, if we're not careful, we'll spiritualize it to such an extent that we miss what he's already given us. And so I think that we have to be cautious not to do that as well. Um, and I think he does use parallel and comparism, comparalism in the Revelation. But I think a lot of times when he does, he uses the vernacular of it's as if or it's yeah. compared to. But he, but then there's other parts like because the whole discussion that he's coming from is is the bowls, the trumpet, and the seals the same thing? And I labor that they're not yeah. because there's distinctive differences between each one. And and my thing is I'm trying to remember. All of this study that I've got here throughout all these things, I'm trying to condense it down quickly, and and I can't do it. <laughs> you know, now if we could go back and we could go through this process of back through uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Amos and all these different ones that's got me to where I'm at right now to 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 reveal to you what he revealed to me, it, I think it would it would give you a, a different perspective anyway. You know, I'm not saying you whatever, but I just, I, with the constraints of time, and, and I'm just, you know, just, it's just like being on the spot here. There's not enough, there's not enough to go into mm-hmm. everything, but there's, there's just, you, you can't just take Revelation verse this for what it is. You've got to take Revelation verse this, and it's got to be built up by all the other that goes with it, with the Jeremiah's and the Amos. But like, let's, I agree to that extent. Yeah. You've got to be contextual, and we yeah. call that and biblical I, narrative I, and biblical theology. Yeah, and I just don't have that. But here, though, if right we now. go to the, sec, the second bowl, yeah. like, and every living creature in the sea died, yeah. there's no contextualization I need for that. That's a statement. Well, but there is, because when you go back, and I can't remember, but you go back and you read Isaiah or Jeremiah, you're going to find a statement where that was said. 
that that description was given, and then you're going to read in there. So when do we place. stop with the spiritualizing everything? Because I'm not I'm I'm not well, spiritualizing everything at all. I'm just I'm just saying. But <laughs> like we can take that into anything that Paul says. Then anything that Peter said, like how how do we become comfortable with the fact of like Paul meant what he said? I think that uh, my thing is be comfortable in Jesus Christ, and and be comfortable with Him is what I'm saying, and not lean on our own understanding because you know we're getting. I'm not trying to make anything all spiritual. I'm I'm not saying that everything is all spiritual. I'm saying that. The spirit must be involved. It, it, you know, you have to have a spiritual understanding as well as because it's both. You got to have it all together. You got to have the, the whole thing. It says eat of me, all of me. You know, you got to have it all together. I'm not saying that it's just uh, spiritual. You know, I, I feel like that, that I don't know if I'm coming off that way, but there has to be a spiritual aspect of well, I mean, understanding. And again, me and Greg love each other tremendously. Oh, yeah. um, but I mean, a minute ago, you did say I couldn't read it naturally, that I had to read it spiritually. Okay, so I couldn't get it naturally. So uh, uh, spiritually, it takes both is what yeah. I, that's my point. I, you know, I'm, it's like you're nailing me to one or the other. I'm not, I'm not nailed to either one. But I, you nailed me a minute ago. I did. Well, I apologize. What I nailed you for? Because when you told me I couldn't read it naturally, oh. that that I had to read it spiritually, and that there's yeah, not a natural yeah. understanding oh. to Revelation. Okay. Well, then I misspoke. I yeah. Uh, so because I'm because I'm me. I'm a hundred percent behind you that yeah. we need the spirit and the truth. Yes. We've got to have both. That's where I want to be right there. And 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 a lot of this revelation is a spiritual revelation. You know, because it has to do with our spirit. That's what's leaving our bodies. Well, I think we talk about this a lot, that there's one meaning to every text Mm -hmm. of how it was originally written. But then the amazing thing about the word is there's so much more how it applies. There's so much depth to it, how it can apply, how the Lord makes sense (laughs) of it to us. And even, you know, in the different spiritual ways that he connects the dots in the scripture spiritually. And I apologize if I nailed you because I didn't. Well, we're it's it. okay. Um, Jesus was nailed too. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. We do love each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. We we just uh, like we're out of time. One listener did say this, and I don't have time to unpack this because I. Um, they one listener said um, some already in Matthew twenty four has happened, and some is yet to come. I do think there's a plurality now. I'm I'm a little bit cautious around the conversation of narrow and AD seventy. Um, because I think if you get into AD 7 discussion and say everything in Matthew 24 has already happened, then you have to put Revelation happening prior to Matthew 24, which being around 70, and you can't do that because Domitian was already ruling, and he didn't rule until 90. So I think Revelation has to be written after AD 90 because Domitian is ruling. I don't have time to unpack all of that, um, but I do think there is a probably a truth that there is some in Matthew 24 that has happened, but some let to happen. And unfortunately, we don't have time to unpack that anymore. Um, we're out of the actually we're overtime. We got to make room for Brother Ernie to come in here and preach a while. But we love you guys so much. Be blessed. We'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time, here on Mornings of Box Two Radio on the Box Two Radio Network.